Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the Earn In app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with Earn In, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 106. On today's episode, I'm answering one of the bigger questions I get. How can I get my spouse or partner to declutter their things? If you live with a significant other, roommate, kids, or parents that are not on the same page as you when it comes to decluttering and minimalism, well, stay tuned for some proven tips to help them start to declutter. Well, hello, my wannabe minimalist friend, and welcome back to the show. If this is your first time here, I hope you know that I am thrilled to have you. There are a lot of things vying for your time and attention, and I am honored that you choose to spend some of your time with me. Today's topic is one that I get all the time. How do I help my partner, my spouse, significant other to declutter their stuff? This is a tricky one. And if you're like me, well, when you've made up your mind to do something, you want everyone to be on board with you and you want them to be excited to do it. And you know, you're just ready to go, but it's not that easy. And I want you to know that it wasn't that easy in my home either. Yes, my husband does have a lot less stuff than most people, but he would probably never label himself as a minimalist. If it was not for me, he would keep more stuff. But I don't think that there's anything he's gotten rid of that he's really regretted. I'll see if I can ask him before I put this episode live so that I can tell you by the end. But before we jump into it, I want to say a huge thank you. Huge, huge, huge. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that the Wannabe Minimalist show was close to hitting 500,000 listens, which it just blew my mind. And even though it's summer and I expected listens to drop off, we still hit that number and shot right past it. I am so humbled that this podcast that I create from my home office is reaching so many people and hopefully making a positive change in the world. 
So I normally ask this at the end of the show, but I want to put it here too. If you could please help me out and subscribe to the podcast or leave a rating and review, I would really appreciate it. When you subscribe, rate the show, or review it, it helps me rank in different podcast lists, and those rankings are the lifeblood for any podcaster like myself. And if there's anything that you want me to discuss or go into more detail on, please pass your suggestions along to me. I absolutely love to hear them, and you can either DM me on Instagram, I'm at wannabeclutterfree, or you can email me, Deanna, at wannabeclutterfree.com. I read all of my emails, and I do my best to get back to you quickly. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. I am sending you a giant virtual hug. And with that out of the way, let's dive into why you are here and talk about how to declutter with a partner or a spouse, especially if they are not really into it. Now, as I went to record this, I realized that you as the regular listener to the show might want to share this with your partner because sometimes it's easier when we have another, um, you know, something to lean on, something to say, I listened to this and I found it really helpful. And so with that in mind, I am going to do my best to speak to both of you so that you can, um, you know, actually just invite your partner to listen to this. And I'm hoping that it can be helpful for you to both understand where you're coming from. So with that in mind, the first piece of advice I'm going to give you is going to sound very familiar if you've listened to my podcast at all. And it is that you should never declutter another person's belongings without their permission. So if you are the non-declutterer here, this should help put your mind at ease. I am not going to tell your decluttering spouse to toss your things while you sleep or when you go out of town. So I want you to go ahead and take a deep breath and feel relieved that you do not have to worry about that, at least not coming from me. What I do recommend is a three-step system to helping other people declutter, so to helping others declutter. Now, the person who craves less stuff is instructed to focus on their own stuff first. So if you are the spouse that wants to declutter or the partner that wants to declutter, your, tr- your whole goal, your whole job is to focus on your own stuff first. So this means that the one who is interested in this needs to deal with all of their emotions that come up for them and their belongings before they have enough experience to help others with their items. Because it's pretty easy for us to become blind to our own things. We can mentally tell ourselves it's not that much, or we know what we have, but until we are really ready to do the hard work on ourselves, it is not right for us to try to get others to do the hard work first, right? So once you, as the happy declutterer, have a handle on your own possessions, then you can move on to step two with your partner. And this is where you work on the shared stuff together. So hopefully at this point, they've been able to see a positive change in you and how you function in the home. And it will be a little bit easier, at least for them to open up to this idea of culling your shared possessions. So if that second step has been successful, then you can move on to the third step, which which is to offer to help them to declutter their belongings. Now, this may take a while. It might take you a while to get through step one and then step two and and then finally get to step three. Once you get to step three, they might resist. And so if they do, you're going to need to back off and then try again at a later time. The rest of the tips that I helped today, that I shared today will help when we get to this third step in the process, okay? So now that we know the process for decluttering our own belongings and then asking our partners to join us, I want to remind everyone that the language we use and how we approach decluttering can make a big difference. So we want to remember to be as positive as possible. 
So instead of coming at it from the perspective of what do you want to get rid of? What of these things am I ready to let go of? Which of these things do I want to get out of my house? Why do I have these things? You know, and and thinking about it in a critical way, I want you to look at it from the point of view as what do I or we or you want to keep? What would help us live the life that we want to be living now and in the future? This is really important because it helps us get over this idea of letting something go, especially parts of our past. You know, if we are holding on to something because it has fond memories for us or, you know, um, we feel guilty letting go of it. Well, this kind of can sidestep that a little bit because it might not be helping you lead the life that you want to be living or it might not help you become the person you want to be. And so if we can just think about what are the things I want to keep in my life, it makes it a little bit easier to um, kind of let go of those, those things that are holding us back. And so I want us to look forward. I want us to enjoy living our daily lives and I want us to be able to live them to the fullest. And that is where um, decluttering for me comes from. It comes from this place of, it, is there, are there things that I can surround myself with now that help me live that better life? Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about are the two zones that every home needs. And these are even more important when you have one partner that wants to declutter and live more minimalistically and another partner who loves stuff and will continue to bring more and more things into the home. Okay. I heard about these terms first from Ronald Banks, and I will link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. It might be helpful for you and your spouse to check out a guy's perspective, although I will warn you, he is the minimalist in his relationship, so keep that in mind. And in fact, he is more minimalist than I am. So just be aware of that when you go into it. But I do think he has some really great um, things to offer, and I like how he used these terms to um, define spaces that I feel like I had defined before, but I just really liked how he looked at them. So I'll do my best to recap here. The first zone is a clutter-safe zone. So this is for our non-minimalist. So this is the partner that is resistant to decluttering. So they need a space that is theirs. And this is where they get to keep any item that they want to keep and keep it organized or not organized in any way they want. The key is that the clutter safe zone has a boundary. So there are limits to how much space is allotted for the clutter. And we can look at our homes and every space in our homes as a container or as an, a zone anywhere that has a boundary. Like our home itself is a box. We can only put so much stuff in our house. And if we wanted to, we could pile up the boxes from floor to ceiling and wall to wall and that all of that could fit into the house. Now, obviously, that's not how any of us wants to live. So that's not what we're going to do. But there is a limit to how much stuff would fit in a house. The same is for every room, for every closet, for every shelf, for every drawer. And so that's what we're talking about here. That is the boundary that we're looking at. For instance, a dresser drawer can be a clutter safe zone. So in my home, I love my drawers to be organized. I file my t-shirts, my shorts, my pants, my sweaters. All of those get folded vertically and they go standing up into my dresser drawer. I open it up. I can pull out what I need. Nothing gets messed up, right? My socks and my underwear drawer, it's organized too. Everything's lined up so I can just pick out what I want in the morning and go. However, my husband's sock and underwear drawer is a total mess in my eyes. Things are just thrown in there and they become messy as he digs through them to get what he wants every day. The thing is, 
that that drawer is his clutter safe zone. I do not need to go into that drawer because none of my stuff is kept there. He puts his own laundry away, and when the drawer is closed, you would have no idea that it's messy in there. Why would I bother to make him keep his socks in order if he doesn't care? That is a good way to make myself a little crazy. And so I have stepped away from that, and that is his space. It is his drawer. I don't care how he keeps it. And he doesn't have to worry about me thinking it's messed up, right? So he just, it's so much easier when we each have our own defined spaces. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. So my pro declutter listeners, I suggest giving your non-decluttering partner spaces like this and then letting go of it. When stuff starts to overflow out of these clutter safe zones, that's when it's time to remind your partner of the agreement and that they are in, char- are in charge of decluttering the overflow. So you may recognize this part as my capsule method, also known as the container method. The second zone that every home needs is a clutter-free zone. So this is more for our minimalist or our declutter happy partner. They need a place that is theirs too. And this is where they can have that open space and keep their items organized in any way they want. So for our non-minimalist partner, it's super important that you respect this space. Just because a shelf might look empty to you, it does not mean that it needs to be filled. If it's part of your partner's clutter-free space, then they get to keep it that way. So this type of separation works really well in the bedroom closet or in dresser drawers, but can also work in shared spaces. So in the entryway, for example, maybe there's a bin or a tray to put items on when you come home. That can be the clutter safe zone, while the rest of the entry table can be the clutter free zone. Same thing goes for the kitchen counter or the dining table. 
So discussing these zones can be very helpful to get both partners on the same page and working together in the home instead of working against each other. And that brings me to my next point, and it is to point out that nagging never works. So instead of nagging, here are a few things that you can do. One, offer help, but never criticize. Be there to hold things up, but do not second guess their decisions. So if they want to keep something, okay. If they're ready to let go of something, okay. Be there to assist, but not direct. Another thing you can do, sometimes partners, they're on board with the decluttering or letting things go, but they're just not interested in doing the work. Now, when this is the case, you can do a couple things. You can either ask for a 10 minute, you know, 10 minutes of decision making, set the timer and then sort through one category at a time. You can do like t-shirts or a specific drawer or a shelf and then stop when the timer goes off and do 10 minutes another day. Sometimes it's just that idea of just having so much to do. It gets overwhelming and nobody wants to continue with that. So maybe this would work for you. Another thing you can do is to put things in a box that you think they no longer want. You are not getting rid of the box. You are just putting them in a box. And then you're going to go to them and you're going to ask them to go through it and then pull out anything they want to keep. Again, we're going from the positive. So here are some things. Anything in here you want to keep? If not, we can go ahead and declutter it. I want you to keep the box small or not fill it up all the way. Maybe 10, 20 items in it so that they can go through them quickly and then return the items they want to keep. And then you can pop that box into your car and you can drop it off at the donation center next time you're out. This makes it easier for your partner um, because if they freeze up when they're faced with too many decisions or they're afraid of a full day of decluttering, this can really help them make progress. Yes, it is slow, but it is progress. And another thing you can do is to use gift giving holidays as a way for them to gift you what you really want. And that is a home with less clutter. So instead of a gift, you can ask your partner to please declutter as your present. Okay. So those are some ways that you can, um, you know, get your partner on board instead of nagging. And you can get them, you know, on board with doing some of the decluttering if they just don't want to do the work, but they're not so attached to their stuff. And the final tip I want to leave you with today for how to get your partner to declutter is to look at things through their eyes. And I want to, d- to stress that this works for both partners. For those of you who do not want to declutter, I want you to think about how having a clean home is really important for your partner. And, you know, it makes them feel better when they're in their space. And because we love them, we want to make them happy too. But I am really going to be talking to the partner that wants to declutter. And so um, let's just take a minute and look at that. It goes back to the very beginning where you have to declutter your own stuff first. And I recently finished a book called Loving What Is by Katie Byron. And in it, she actually discusses clutter, decluttering or tidying up a home when your family doesn't pick up. In the book, she says that the problem of a clean home is a problem for the person who wants the clean home and they need to be the one to fix it. So she talks about in her own life how she was upset that her kids would leave dirty socks around the house and it would just infuriate her. She tried yelling at them, but it didn't fix the problem. And in the end, she realized that if she wanted the socks picked up, well, why not just do it herself? This helped relieve her anger because the house was cleaner and it made it easier for her to continue cleaning up, which made the home cleaner and made her even happier. And then her kids noticed that she was happier. She wasn't yelling at them all the time and they wanted to show their appreciation. So they actually started to help out more too. Now, I'm not saying that your home and the attitudes in it will magically change, but we are only in control of ourselves. 
So you can talk to your partner and tell them how a clean home makes you feel or how a dirty home makes you feel. And I highly recommend you at least have that conversation. But in addition to that, perhaps it's best to do what you can to tweak your expectation. One way you can do this without having to completely cave in and do everything yourself is to work with how your family lives and create clutter hubs. For instance, look around your home and determine where the drop zones are. These are the random places in the home where items tend to collect or get placed by default. Then place baskets in these clutter hubs or other solutions that will help keep the uh, clutter at bay. So maybe it's the basket on the entry table so that the sunglasses, wallets, and the keys end up here as opposed to them ending up on the kitchen counter. Or maybe it's the chair that's in the bedroom that has become a laundry holder for things that have been worn, but they can be worn again. They're not quite dirty enough, but you don't want to put them back with your clean clothes, you know? Well, consider putting a basket or a series of hooks here so that these clothes don't end up on the chair or on the floor and they're out of the way. Another clutter hub idea is the incoming papers. So maybe you have an inbox for those and then you sort through them on a regular basis, like every week or every month. And for our non-decluttering partners out there, please see how you can work with your spouse to identify these clutter hubs and then use better solutions to make daily life work better for the both of you. You are in this together and you are partners. Remember, you cannot make a person change. It's much better to change ourselves, work with our quirks and theirs, and then remind yourself of the things that you love about them because I know that there are many things and many reasons why you love your partner. You were drawn to them in the first place. And so let's just appreciate um, who we have and, and work together so that we can make each other happier. Oh, and I almost forgot. I asked my husband about decluttering and here is our conversation. It was completely unscripted and I just sprang it on him. So thanks to him for being such a great sport. All right, here you go. Actually, can I ask you my question that I wanted to ask you earlier? Sure. Okay. Is there anything you've decluttered that you really regret decluttering? Are you recording me right now? I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Wasn't wasn't there something just the other day we were? Apparently must not have been that important. <laughs> Let me think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And even after a few hours of thinking about it, we could not remember the item we thought about having decluttered in the past. It just goes to show you that as humans, we adapt to our surroundings, so we don't need to be so afraid of change. And with that, I want to turn it to you. Did you share this episode with your partner or your spouse? Well, how did it go? Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. I cannot wait to hear all about it. And if you like this episode or found any episode helpful, please help me out and subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review. I would really appreciate it. Of course, if there's anything you want me to talk about, you have questions about something, something I discussed, or you want me to go into more detail on something, well, please pass your suggestions along to me. I'm all ears. You can DM me on Instagram. I want to be clutter free there. 
or you can email me at Deanna at wannabeclutterfree.com. I read all of my emails. And like I said, I do my best to get back to you as quickly as I can. And finally, if you would like to learn more about my process for taking a messy home and turning it into the calm, peaceful, and clutter-free space that you want and deserve, or you need help taking action and implementing the things we chat about on the Wannabe Minimalist Show, head on over to wannabeclutterfree.com. There are free downloads, online programs, and other resources to help you create the vibrant, happy, simple, and abundant life that you've been craving. That just about wraps it up for today's show. I hope this was helpful and it inspired you to take action and make positive changes in your life, no matter how small they are. Join me here again next week for another guest episode. I'll be chatting with Ashley Brown about creating routines to simplify your life. That girl speaks my language when it comes to setting up routines. And we even talk about some of our failures when we first started to set up our own routines in our lives. There are some fun lessons shared and I know you'll love it as much as I enjoyed chatting with her. So make sure you don't miss it. All right. Have a fabulous day and I'll see you back here next week. I'm Deanna Yates and you've been listening to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. Cheers. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.